Uh, but Abraham Lincoln struggled with depression his whole entire life, uh, even after the Civil War. In 1865, victory was theirs. He had saved the very soul of their nation, and yet happiness eluded him. The Atlantic writes this about Lincoln. It says, Lincoln's look of gloom was familiar to everyone who knew him well. Such spells were not just one thread in a curious fabric of behavior and thought that his friends called melancholy. He often wept in public, recited overtly emotional poetry. He told jokes and stories at odd times. He said he needed the laughs for his survival. And as a young man, he talked more than once of suicide. And as he grew older, he saw the world as hard and grim and full of misery. His colleague Henry Whitney said this about Lincoln. No element of Mr. Lincoln's character was so marked, obvious, and ingrained as his mysterious and profound melancholy. His law partner, William Herndon, said his melancholy dripped from him as he walked. This is not necessarily the picture of this great man that we think about, Abraham Lincoln. But there are great people in history that have suffered from depression. Lifeway Research tells us that one in five pastors suffer from depression. In 2019, the church leadership world was rocked by the suicide of a megachurch pastor named Jared Wilson. He was a pastor at a church of 15,000 people in California. He was only 30 years old and left behind a wonderful wife and two kids. He was an advocate for people with mental health issues. And the people around us tell us that he loved Jesus, he loved his family, but depression is serious and it's scary. And people who love Jesus can suffer from depression. Craig Groeschel says, depression is not just sadness. It's not just discouragement, but it's a constant darkness. It's something, uh, sometimes it's like no feelings at all, no motivation, no hope. And it's sad when a church is not a safe place to talk about depression and feelings of darkness. Instead, what people from, that suffer from depression may hear from church people is things like, suck it up. It's not that bad. Your life's pretty good. Pull yourself together by your bootstraps, and I'm sure this will pass. Just have faith. So we paste on a smile while we're drowning on the inside. And like Aaron Burr from the Broadway play Hamilton, we smile more and talk less. But this hurts our witness. See, when we act like we don't have problems, people that do admit that they have problems won't feel like they can fit in here. And this hurts us too because many times we end up struggling alone. And the Bible talks a lot about depression and how community uh, is needed and how we need fellowship with God. Here's a proverb in uh, chapter 12 of the book of Proverbs that says this. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So far, this verse is not revolutionary, right? <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, no, we all get that. Well, anxiety, fear, worry, and stress can all cause depression, but this verse goes on. It says in the next part, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. 
If you've suffered from depression, you may read this verse and say, I wish it was that simple. I wish that a good word could just cure my depression. But that's not necessarily what it says. It says a good word can help. And that's my hope for you today is that you would get a good word that would encourage you to go on. It'd be amazing if God would just cure your depression right now in this moment. But at the very least, I hope you leave with a little bit of hope and encouragement to help you where you are right now. Again, I'm not an expert on this subject. If you suffer with chronic hopelessness, please talk to a professional. But what I can do as a pastor is talk about anxiety and depression and shine a light on this situation by relaying information given to us by professionals. According to the professionals, there are essentially four root causes of depression. There's biological causes of depression. They can be caused by a chemical imbalance, chronic pain, a nutritional deficit, uh, hormonal changes, postpartum depression, lack of sleep, lack of exercise, lack of sunlight. There was a time in my life, at uh, my last office as a youth pastor, this is just, you know, classic uh, church put a youth pastor in a basement with no windows. That's where my office was. And I went to the doctor at one point, and they're like, you don't have any vitamin D in your whole body. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to go outside more. Uh, and that was causing problems. In my, sometimes it's something simple as that, just a biological issue, vitamin deficiency. There are also relational causes to depression. This could be caused by things like divorce, uh, relationships with kids, uh, problems with people that you love, or feelings of rejection. And there's circumstantial causes of depression. Maybe it's death or loss or trauma of some kind, financial bankruptcy, or maybe it's even something like looking forward to enjoying retirement your whole life and then getting there and realizing that you don't know who you are anymore without your job. And you, you, you're not sure what your purpose is anymore. Or maybe it's even something like being an empty nester and the quietness of the house feels like a cloud of darkness. These are circumstantial causes of depression. And then lastly, there's spiritual causes of depression. The Bible tells us that ultimately our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with people. Our real battle is against spiritual forces of darkness that want to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to you. So there are many roots to depression. And maybe you suffer through one of them. Maybe you suffer through many of them. But depression doesn't discriminate. We saw great people in history that did amazing things. Depression can be very complex. There are several pictures in the Bible of people of God that struggled with bouts of depression. One was a prophet named Jeremiah. This is a guy that spoke on behalf of God, and God told him what to say, and he represented God to the people. This was a man of God. But Jeremiah was often in a deep, dark, and desperate place. In fact, we call him the weeping prophet. That's not necessarily the nickname that I want to have, right? The weeping Phil Wayman. But this man that had a deep commitment to God wrote several Old Testament books of the Bible, one of which is called 
lamentations, which literally means to lament or to weep or to be in sorrow. But in Jeremiah's life, he went through some stuff. He went through some serious loss. And he saw the destruction of Solomon's temple, which was a beautiful place of worship for the Lord. It had stood for 400 years. It was the pride of Israel and the place where they would go to worship God. We would be devastated if this church were to you know, burn down or something terrible would happen here. And let alone Solomon's temple. And he saw that and he felt that with his community of people as they went through that struggle. He also saw the exile of his people. Loved ones murdered and uh, people were deported to another country. Jeremiah had trauma. He saw tragedy. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. We'll be there uh, most of the morning. I want you to see these words of this man of God. You could go in the app. It's got all those verses there. You could go in a Bible app or there's Bibles in front of you as well. We're going to start out in chapter 1, Lamentations chapter 3. I mean, yeah, that's right. Verse 1. See if you can feel this and picture what this is going, uh, what's going on in his life. And imagine yourself being in a position where you might write these words. He says, I'm a man who has seen affliction. He says, I've seen some stuff, right? I've seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He's besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He's made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. And though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Pretty uh, depressing so far, right? Well, he's not done. And you might be here today and, and wonder, why would God allow this to be in his book, right? Why would God allow this per, uh, person, this prophet, to say things against him? He goes on in verse 17. He says, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You may have thought that I was projecting depression onto this man called Jeremiah, but these verses show a man that is consumed with dark depression. If you had a friend that came to you and unloaded all of this on you, you would tell them they needed some help. This is a man of God, a prophet of God, but he is broken and he is lost and he is confused and right now he's without hope. It says he has forgotten what happiness is. That's how long it's been. That's how overwhelming this is. I don't even remember what happiness looks like. And he feels trapped. And his soul feels so low. And the root of Jeremiah's depression is both circumstantial. 
His home was destroyed and loved ones were hurt and deported or even killed. But it's also spiritual. He feels like God has let him down and that he has lost all hope. So what do we do? What do you do when you're in this situation? Craig Groeschel tells us there are two truths to remember when we are depressed. And the first one is this. Your emotions are valid, but these feelings are not permanent. Your emotions are valid. Feelings of loss and hopelessness and depression are heavy, but these feelings are not permanent. This is just how you feel right now, not forever. So don't brush it under the rug. And that might be part of your culture in your family background where, uh, you know, oh, I'm sad. Well, just get over it. That's not, no, these are real feelings that you have to deal with. You can't just push through. We saw last week that these feelings and emotions can be warning signals of what's going on inside. Your emotions are valid. But it's just how you feel right now. They're not permanent. And the second thing is, is your situation feels hopeless, but with God, there is always hope. Even when you don't feel the presence of God, even when you are consumed with darkness and you see no hope, you are never alone. And when you don't know what to do and you're feeling that hurt and that pain, it's okay to tell your emotions that they are real. They're not permanent. You're not ignoring these things. You're going to deal with it because approaching these things and admitting that there's an issue is the start of your healing. Experts tell us that uh, one of the ways that people can begin healing and change their emotions is to start by acknowledging those fears and those emotions. A big start here is just saying, I have an issue. I have a problem. And the experts tell us literally that already, just by admitting that there is a situation and there is an issue that you're struggling with, it immediately starts to lessen the effects physically of these problems on you and also mentally. Throw that video up on the screen. How many of you like spiders? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Can you imagine if it was that big, just running around here? There's probably one right behind you. <laughs> oh, it's on your neck. You just felt it. <laughs> They've actually done studies that have shown us that just admitting that we are afraid of something can help lessen that fear and the physical reactions to that fear. Whether that's your heart rate going or sweat, you know, kind of beginning to, uh, you know, furrow on your brow. And researchers tell us that it just helps admitting, I don't like gross spiders. And it begins to uh, change how your body is reacting to that. And why am I saying this? I'm saying this because it's important to admit the truth of what you are feeling. Just ignoring your stuff doesn't make it go away. It makes it stronger. Naming our emotions opens the door to changing our emotions. 
and telling someone or even admitting out loud to God in prayer, God, I am scared. God, I'm anxious. God, I'm angry. But our natural reaction is to say, I'm fine. I'm not angry. I'm not hurt. Maybe one, someone in a relationship with you has told you that once. I'm not angry. You're definitely angry. Like, you are fuming right now. No, I'm fine. No, you're not. And not admitting that continues to allow that thing to grow. I'm not hurt. Psh, I'm not afraid. But when that isn't true, those emotions actually have more control over us than when we expose them to the light. But once you name those feelings, then you can say, I am angry, but this anger isn't permanent. And I am depressed, but this won't last forever. And I am anxious, but this will pass someday. This is how I feel right now, and it feels overwhelming, but one day I will not feel like this. And next, you can remind yourself. Not to make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings. I'm depressed, but I'm not going to drink alcohol to medicate my problems because that won't really help and this isn't going to last forever. And I'm angry right now, but I'm not going to say something that might permanently ruin my marriage. It might feel good in a moment to give someone a piece of my mind, but I'm not going to ruin my relationship with my kids for temporary feelings. Because yes, I'm angry right now, I'm frustrated right now, but I won't always feel this way. And I'm anxious, but I'm not going to quit, because this is just how I feel right now. Your emotions are real, but they aren't in charge, and they don't always tell the truth. Don't let them make your choices for you. First, Jeremiah was honest with God about how he felt. Right now, he is without hope. He has forgotten happiness. He feels trapped. His soul feels so low. But notice the very next verse. After Jeremiah pours out his broken heart, in verse 21, he says, this is how I feel, but... He says, but I call this to mind. I can't remember happiness. I can't remember what it's like to feel uh, joy, and I am overwhelmed in hopelessness, but I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. He says, look, I feel depressed, but I'm not going to lean into it. He says, I'm not just going to give in. I will point my mind to some things that I know are true. I will place my hope in something other than my feelings. I feel this way, but I'm going to push my mind in a different direction. And all of a sudden, this depressing chapter changes tone. He says, I will call this to mind. Well, what is he going to call to mind? It's in the next verse. Verse 22. This is what he pushes his mind to think. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Well, what, wait a minute, Jeremiah. You were just saying that God uh, had done you wrong. That's how he felt, but this is what he knows. That's how he uh, was feeling, but this is the truth. Therefore, I'm going to push my mind to this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I do have hope. 
He says, I don't feel hope, but I have hope. I don't see it right now, but I know this to be true. Therefore, I have hope. Jeremiah, this man of God that was depressed, continues in the next few verses, and he says things like this, that the Lord is good to those who seek him. The Lord won't cast us off forever. He will have compassion. Let us lift our hearts and hands to surrender to the Lord. And first he says, I am depressed, and I am hopeless, and I don't feel great right now. But I'm going to call some things to my mind. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to hang them up. I'm going to repeat these truths and set reminders of these words. I'm going to call some things to my mind. Because I know that my feelings are real, but they're not permanent. And I know that I feel alone, but with God, I am never alone. I don't feel hope or happiness, but I can believe that I have hope in the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in the Lord. The Hebrew word here for love is hesed. His love never ceases. It's steadfast. It's strong. And this word has said doesn't have a great translation in English. It's much deeper than what we think of as love. It's not just a feeling. Translators say here that you could also say unbreakable devotion. Unbreakable devotion. If that was our definition in common society in America, it would change a lot of things. It's not a feeling. Well, I fell out of love for you. Well, no, you don't have devotion for me anymore. There's not unbreakable devotion to me. But that's what God's love is to us. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a promise-keeping love, a covenant-keeping love. He says here that his mercy never comes to an end. It's brand new every morning. And the word here for mercy is rahamah which actually comes from the same root word as womb. The womb is a safe place where a child is nourished and protected. And this is what is new every morning. It never runs out. His mercy is a womb of protection for us. And he has perfect compassion towards us. Your situation may feel hopeless right now. But with God, it's never hopeless. He loves you with a devoted, promise-keeping love that never runs out. Even if your feelings tell you something different, his mercy is full every morning. His tank is always on full for you. Why is it new every morning? Because we use it up, right? But every morning, it's like you never used any of his mercy before. He says he brings these thoughts to his mind. I feel this way. I'm depressed. I feel alone. I feel like God has forsaken me. But I know that these are my feelings. I admit that these are my feelings, but I know that that's not the truth. So I'm going to push my mind to the truth, and I'm going to tell my heart the truth so that I might change my feelings. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. But Jeremiah, you don't feel that right now. You feel alone right now. No, his mercy never comes to an end. I know that he's going to give me more and more mercy. They are are new every morning. God, I forgot what 
happiness is, but great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. And after reminding himself this, he says, I will have hope. He doesn't say I have hope. He says, I'm going to choose to tell my mind something different than it feels right now so that I can have hope. I don't feel it, but I have it. See, when you feel lost and depressed and and things seem dark, acknowledge it. If you're one of those ones that ignore a problem, it's just going to get bigger, it's going to get grosser, it's going to get stronger going to come out looking like Pastor Josh, just jacked. He's not in here, so you can tell him I said that later. But it's going to come out even stronger than it was. You can't ignore your problems. I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. I need help. Acknowledging the reality weakens the power of these feelings. And remember that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And if you were taught that, it was wrong. And I guarantee if you look at the person that was taught, that, uh, taught you that, even though you love them, you can see some glaring things that they didn't deal with. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of courage and strength. It's a sign of wisdom and discernment. I have a problem. I feel this way, but I need help. Maybe that means you get a counselor or medicine or change your diet or start to exercise. Or maybe it means that you get serious about getting a community of people around you. Perhaps it's a life group. It's a dark world and you're not meant to walk alone. You need people that will pause and pray and praise with you and say, yes, I see that you feel this way and I understand it and I'm not discounting it, but that's not true. And I know you feel this way right now, but this is what the Bible says. This is what you know to be true. Remember when God did this for you in the past. You need other Jesus people to lean on. And that's what the church should be. But we have to be brave enough to make it that way. None of us naturally do this on our own. And you say, I don't have a community around me. You've got to make it. You've got to open yourself up. And you've got to reach out to people around you. And you've got to be brave enough to take that first step. And it might not be the first few people that you try that with. It might take a while. But this is what the church needs to be, where we push past the the empty smiles and the, hey man, what's up? How you doing? I'm fine. When you just had the blow up uh, with your wife and you're so angry and you're not sure you're going to make it the next day, but you got to keep on a smile so you don't let anybody know that you have any problems. That is weakness. The strength is saying, hey man, can we talk? Can we go get coffee this week? And we, I just need to talk to somebody. I need to admit that I'm in a place. And I need someone to tell me what is true right now. Jeremiah admitted that he was struggling. And he had real, heavy feelings. But he understood that they were just temporary and that he wasn't alone. And that he called his mind to the fact that his God loved him with a devoted love and a mercy that is always full. And he reminded his heart to put 
my hope in the Lord. But I don't feel that way right now. It doesn't matter. Put my hope in the Lord. But I don't know what happiness is. I feel so low. I'm depressed. I get it. I see it. I understand it. But I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. Because nothing can separate you from that love. Not angels, not demons, not death. He's your shepherd, your sword, and your shield. You don't have to fear evil. He is with you. Your feelings are real. Your feelings are real. But you don't have to surrender to them. Surrender instead to God. Your feelings will let you down. They will lead you astray. They will get you to cause uh, problems in relationships and to lash out at people. But God has truth for you that you can bathe your mind in truth and the example of Jesus Christ and how he lived. I'm not under the illusion this morning that a room full of people is going to leave here today and never suffer again with depression. But I pray that today you heard a good word that might bring you hope. And I challenge you not to make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings, but instead to turn your mind to God. And your feelings are real, but remember you're not alone. Your feelings have a weight, but they're not always true. And remember that you have a God that keeps his promise. And whether that healing is immediate for you, or through many means and hard work. We pray for those of you that are suffering depression right now that God would bring you the victory. And until then, you will know that you're not alone. And that we love you and God loves you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's take a moment to pray for those of us in the room that might be struggling with depression or hopelessness. Or maybe it's a loved one that's not in this room, someone that you care about. Just take a minute to, to call their name out to the Lord. Maybe you even want to come down here to the altar, not because it's a magical place, but because it's, there's something special about it. You want to call out to the Lord. Maybe you're the one that's struggling. And your mind is telling you things you know aren't true. Or maybe you can't even tell anymore. But in a world full of confusion, we need a true north to guide us. You've got to set your mind towards something. And remember that God is good, God is in control, and He loves you. And He wants to bring you to a place where you can bring Him glory with, his, with your life. If you're alive, if you're not dead, God's not done with you. 
You are here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. God wants to use you to do something big. Maybe you're here today and you're not the one that is depressed, but it's someone that you know. And you need to commit to be the community that that person needs. You can't do it for everybody. You can't fix everybody. But there's probably someone in your life that it is is something you should do. To just listen, not to discount their issues, but to remind them what is true. To point them towards the hope that they have in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what you need to do today is commit to help push someone else's mind towards the thoughts that they need to have. And to be patient. You can't fix this stuff. It's got to be an act of God. Maybe you're here today and you're someone that's self-medicating with, uh, you got issues with anxiety and depression. Instead of going to a doctor, you're trying to figure it out on your own. Hey, that's, that's a terrible idea. That is only going to lead to more pain. Maybe you won't even admit that's where you're at today. When we admit things and we're brave enough and we have courage to say, I'm struggling, it weakens it. Maybe what you need to do today is, is just to decide that, hey, I'm not going to suffer alone anymore. I'm going to get the help that I need. And I'm going to deal with this head on. Because this thing keeps getting bigger and this hole keeps getting deeper. Maybe you're here today and you don't have yet a relationship with God. That's an amazing start to make some change in your life. See, we all are born into sin. Started way back at the beginning. See, God gave us a free will. That's the ability to choose our way or His way. And over and over again, we've chosen our way. And because of that, death and pain and sorrow and all these things that we see around us that are broken, flooded the world because we've decided to put ourselves first. And we've lied and cheated and stolen Each one of us is guilty. That's a problem because God is a holy and a perfect God and he cannot fellowship with sin. We can't get to God on our own. God came to us, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago. Part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Ghost. He walked this earth in flesh, and he lived a perfect and a holy life. And then he laid down his life on a cross in your place. So that all the punishment that you deserve for your sin, he took on himself. So you don't have to suffer the consequences of your sin, which is death in a place called hell. You don't have to earn it. 
You don't deserve it. But you can call out to God right now. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call out to him right now, in this moment. It's not a magic prayer. The words don't matter. It's a posture in your heart saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. I've done things my way over and over, God. But God, I put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me. I choose you, Jesus. Letting go of all the things I've held on to. I'm accepting the gift of salvation that you gave us on the cross. That's you today. You made that choice or you're in the process of doing that. That's an amazing thing. You'll never regret it. But I'd love for you to write that down on your connection card before you hand it in later on. Write down, I chose Jesus. We'd love to follow up with you about what's next and talk about this amazing journey that you've just started, this relationship with the one that created you. Heavenly Father, God, we pray for all those that suffer with anxiety and depression, whether it's right now or in the past or in their future, God. I pray that you would begin to bring them comfort. Help us to remember that our feelings are not uh, true all the time and that we may feel something, but it's not what's real and what's honest about our situation. God, help us to discern that. Help us that for those that might feel overwhelmed in the room or those that are not here, God, that you would begin to bring hope. Help us to push our mind towards you. God, and help us to be a church that is intentional to be there for each other because we all struggle. Help us not just to pace the smile and to be surface level and fake. God, help us to be real with each other, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's awkward sometimes. That's where genuine community is, God. Help us to have that. Help us to begin to build that. God, I love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Remember last week we talked about a way that we can uh, stop this spiral of anxiety and depression is to pause, and to pray, and to praise. Let's practice that again right now.